All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a maddening Monday continues on. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. The Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where you can experience all the excitement of the casinos on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up as a new player today, and you will receive a $50 Welcome bonus. Use the promo code SPORTS50. I'm uh, Jason Greger, and I heard the uh, the chuckle that you heard in the background, of course, is uh, Jason Strudwick. And uh, I do think it's fitting struts. There's, uh, there's a lot of disappointment uh, amongst order fans. I think it's fair. I think... Uh, you know what? Hey, it's it's okay to be disappointed. Uh, they thought their team would go deeper. I, I think uh, Leon Drysaddle's post game reaction showed how clearly he thought the uh, the team would go deeper. Um, it didn't happen. Um, after splitting the first two games, where each team I think was equally good and equally bad in in different games, it really came down to uh, Vegas just being way superior in the second period of both games, and that cost uh, the orders the series. You know, it was a close series. I, I think we have to remember that four two. Um, you know, it, it was a close series, and I, you know, I, I'm always interested in what the guys have to say after the game, so they kind of listen, and I think both sides try to hear what they're saying, and I think that the team felt they were really close, right, and, and I and I think they are, they, they were close to beating uh, Vegas, or to winning this round, then you get to the next round, and you got to feel pretty good about your opportunity now for Vegas to get by whichever team and then get to the final and then you get to the final you, you know you're four games away from from winning a championship so I, I i you know leon was really you could tell he was down um but you know it's when, when you get to this level of game um i think that the details that are maybe missing in your regular season games 
they creep in when you're really under pressure. And the first period yesterday, uh, I thought the Oilers controlled most of that period. It was kind of I thought I think they'd be pretty happy with the way they played. And then you get in the second period to steal a, a same from the captain of the Oilers, McDavid. It was clinical. Like I thought Vegas was absolutely clinical, and that might have been their best period of the season. Or sorry, of the series, of the series, I should say. They came out and they absolutely owned the Oilers in uh, on the forecheck. Back checked Oilers could have very little time in their zone, and when they did, it was kind of one and out. Um, and then something that really jumped out at me was how hard their players are going to the net, and how easy it was for those players to get to the Oilers' net. When you when you think back, like the first goal, I know it was in the second period, but um, you know Bouchard leaves Smith wide open in front. Uh, you know, nice shot, kind of same side one time. Not an easy shot, but gets past Skinner. And then you move on to some of the other goals. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Barbashev is in front with Nurse, and Nurse uh, it just has a stick up on the back of a Barbashev, not tying up his stick. The puck's going wide. Barbashev's even able to get that puck. Boom, taps it over to the other side. Or lucky or not, whatever, if, if uh, Nurse has that stick tied up, it's a different situation. The puck goes over, and I think it was Marcheseau who tapped it in. Uh, you know, CC was kind of, I, I think he was... Um, trying to figure out where his what his role was in that situation. Uh, then the one off of Skinner's blocker. Goes up high. You know, maybe you can, tough one to fight off. Goes up high. Um, the puck comes back down. There's two Vegas Knights in the, in the Oilers blue paint. Three Oilers skating away from the blue paint. So those are details I think that, you know, we, we kind of highlighted all year long. You know, over 82 games and you know, they were able, you know, in, in the regular season, they're playing against other teams, maybe they can get away with it. Everyone cranks up a little bit in the playoffs, and now those ones kind of come back. So, you know, we, we can talk about the different areas of the game, but, you know, you, you get a 2-1 lead. Can you, can you hand on to that and be really tough in your own zone and tough in that blue paint area, both going to and preventing people from getting there, uh, whatever end you're in, the offense or the defense, and now... Like it just, it was so clear last night. It was those three goals were just absolute clinics by, uh, by Vegas. And, and the orders, uh, just, just weren't ready for that or, or weren't able to respond, Greg's. No, they, it was, there's always learning from it. And what's interesting about, you know, playoffs from year to year and you look at other teams and, you know, I, I think what's frustrating about this year is people will look and say, hey, this, um, the road to the cup was was potentially easier. Yeah. Boston was out. Colorado was banged up. Now the thing about Colorado's banged up is, who's coming back next year? Burkowski's not there. Kadri's not there. Lanniscog's not coming back. So where are they getting all this health from? Now they're going to get some cap space because Landeskog won't play. So that opens up some cap space to, to sign players, right? Kale McCarr, if he's healthy, obviously will be a difference maker. But I, like they're going to have to sign three top six forwards if they want to get the, their depth back to where it was. So even if they return, which I expect they will, I don't see Colorado being the juggernaut that they were in yeah. 2022. Like they were a juggernaut. Um, same with Tampa in 20 and 21. Like they were juggernaut teams. Um, you know, you look at the remaining teams, none of them are juggernauts, right? They're good. None of them are juggernauts. So I don't think that Edmonton, this is the automatic wasted best opportunity. I think that's a little premature to say, but. There are some areas that they clearly have to improve on. Um, you know, I, I think everybody learns from things. The, the players have to learn. They, you know, they, they had to be more disciplined at key times. The Yanmark penalty on Friday night crushed them. 
Crush. There's no. There's zero reason to take that penalty on the offensive side of center ice uh, when you're killing a penalty. None. And uh, they gave up two goals on that. You know they'll have to find a way to, for their penalty kill to be better. Whether it's the system, whether it's the goaltending, whatever it was, their penalty kill the last two years with Mike Smith and Misko Koskinen was great. Their penalty kill this year wasn't. At really any point of the season, they would have stretches of five or six games, and then they'd be brutal. And and that was pretty much a theme all year long. Um, the interesting thing to me is look at Cody CC last year in the playoffs compared to this year. There's night and day, right? So what do you? What's your expectations of Cody CC next season, or do they have to look to replace him? And would that be a knee jerk reaction yeah. based on how well he played the year before? Well, I know there's so much conversation, Greg's around, you know, can they run the same group back or do they need to upgrade or change? And I think you're always looking to upgrade. And I think Cody Cece's a good defenseman. I'm not sure that he is, you know, in, in this case, you know, what is what do you want to call him, a 2-3? I think that might be, I think he's more of a 3-4 type guy and probably in a really good team of four. So, you know he's giving you what you can. He, he, he's he's he, he's there, and I, he, I believe you're right. He did play better in last year's playoffs, and for whatever reason, it just he was a little bit off this year. Now maybe there'll be an injury. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not privy. You'd have more insight to that, but just it's it's just off. You know, and I, I when I think of teams that win Stanley Cups, and I know that this is maybe a bit unfair, but I think back to when the Blues won the Stanley Cup and they had Pareko and Bowmeister, just eating minutes they just ate i don't know what do you want 22 23 minutes a night uh they were hard to play against you know not the meanest guys but hard to play against because the way they defended and all that stuff and I, I would like the orders to have that you know i don't they don't have it right now those two guys last night they had a tough night now it's that's pretty specific to one game but you know it's it's you know you want to have some guys and go out there and just chew up those minutes and just be predictable all the time and and you know, Vegas put pressure on them, put them on all the D, and I thought that, you know, they had a tough time, uh, specifically last night. So the challenge is, you know, CeCe's got the contract for two more years. He's fine. He's a fine defenseman. But, is you know, do you, if you're looking to tweak your lineup, is that one spot you're looking to tweak? You know, we talked about it, and it's probably it's impossible for this trade to happen. But if that's Carlson and Nurse, how much does that change what the Oilers have back there? Now, you're probably not going to be able to do that, so let's, uh, I'll, I'll dial it down a bit. But is there somebody else in there? Like, imagine if that would have been Adam Larson, Griggs. If that's Adam Larson and, and Nurse, then you have Ekholm and Bouchard. Mm, you're probably pretty happy with what you're doing there night in, night out, right? So that's an area I'd look to, to do, and then... The other, you know, Kulak, I thought was incredible this playoff. The way he skated was incredible. But if Broberg's your guy, you've got to find a path for him to play every night. So where where is that path? Unlikely Nurse is going anywhere. Unlikely Ekholm's going anywhere. So Kulak's the guy. But Kulak was really good this year, really good in the playoffs, especially. So where do you where 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 do you find room for Broberg? You know, is, are you are you taking out DRNA and putting him in there, and they kind of share it? We got to develop both these guys. He's not ready to play beside Nurse uh, and Bouchard. We know where he's going to fit. So that this it's interesting how you're going to do it. I, I don't know if this seven's going to work. You know, are you going to go seven defensemen all year long? I think that's a tall order. No, probably not. Um, I, like I wonder, like to me, Philip Broberg, potential, 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 great, but. He's got to get stronger. 
he gets knocked off the puck way too easily. And so I, I like, hey, he's a young guy, and so maybe that was it. But that's like the orders are in win now mode. That's just a fact. I don't think they can go in the next season and say, okay, you know what? We think Broberg's going to be good, so we're going to trade Brett Kulak. I think that's a big risk. Well, and, and you know, you're right. So if 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 he's not a part of the solution right now, then maybe he's he's a guy that is is moved for something else. You know, I, I don't. It's it's so fresh. It's hard to kind of think it, but. You know, Broberg needs a chance to play. And, and if you don't believe in him, then move him out. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of the two things you have to figure out. And I like Kulak. I think where Kulak is, he, he was very noticeable. He skates so well and competes so well. I, 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 I've got no problem with Kulak at all. But if, if, if they think that he's the guy, you got to, you know, if Broberg's a player, a, a, a solution for you, he's cheaper uh, than Kulak, so you save a little bit of money there. But then he looks through the rest of the rosters. I, I can't see the goalies changing. I think that, you know, as a positive, what Skinner went through this year in these playoffs will be a huge thing for him. I think that's a huge step. He'll have been through it now. He'll understand what it's like. Um, you know, the, the rigors of playing every other day in the playoffs, the pressure, the expectations, all that stuff, managing your energy. Like, it's he'll have grown a ton from that experience. And I believe Campbell, he, can't, he cannot have the season – next year that we had this year. It's, it's going to be better. I just can't see it being the same level. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Jack probably hits the ground running with start getting ready for next year right away because he's fresh. You think about it, he, he can't have any injuries. When's, he's, was he played, Greg, three games in the last month? Not even three full games. He's maybe played one and a half, period, one and a half games in the last yeah. three or the last month. He'll be fresh, so he can start working on whatever he needs to work on. So the goalies are set. The D, a tweak. Then up front, you know, it, where do things fall with Yamamoto, right? Where 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 does he fall into everything? You know, then the, some clean cost, and where does he fall into everything? If I'm clean, I probably want to sign an, at least a one-year contract and be here, and then to hopefully pump up my numbers again, and then maybe he's too expensive for the orders. But, you know, there, there's decisions to be made, but a lot of the guys are set. Five to six forwards, I don't know, you know, unless you know, you're going to trade those guys away, I, they're, they're fine. They all had good years. Uh, but Yamamoto is probably a question mark. Some of the UFAs, obviously, a question mark. And then Dylan Holloway needs a spot. Raphael Lavoie probably needs to have the opportunity to push someone out. But I'm not sure I'm just gifting him a spot heading into training camp. No, I don't, I don't think you give spots uh, to, to anyone uh, on, on a team that's in contending mode. But they, they clearly will have some openings on the right side. Um, we'll, we'll see which forwards. Uh, Costin's unique to me because I think they'd like to sign him. But I just look at... At his usage, for whatever reason, the coach didn't use him. And so now maybe the coach will look back and be like, okay, i got to use him differently. I'll see. And I want to get into it. We've got to take a break, but I want to get into some of the coaching decisions yesterday in Game 6 that I, I, I was perplexed by. Um, line matching when you hadn't done it and then suddenly you did, but the lines that you matched, I didn't I didn't really understand it because the one line that was killing the orders was the Ico line, and you, you had two lines you could have matched up against them, and you chose the other line. So... We'll get to that when we return on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We roll through Edmonton Sports Center, TSN 1260. Jason Gregor, Jason Strudwick, Connor Halley with you. Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Lots of text flying in to 10 We'll get to some of the uh, the other uh, orders news, the uh, Steve Steos report, and uh, and more. As we get to the Chronicles, brought to you by Action Electrical, the most diversified electrical contractor in Alberta with four divisions and projects, service, tag, and energy, solar, and 
EV. Learn more at actionelectrical.net. Tom Zola joins us. Tom, I guess let's go with uh, Frank Silvalli reported on our podcast today that uh, he believes that uh, there's a very good chance Steve Steos could be taking the GM title and uh, working in conjunction with uh, Ken Holland, who currently owns uh, both the uh, president of Hockey Ops and the GM title. What do you make of that? Well, that's why we uh, brought him on Hello Hockey a couple of weeks ago. Greg's uh, anticipating that his role would be elevated uh, relatively soon. And what Ken Holland has a year left on his deal. Um, obviously, President of Hockey Ops and GM. It's a lot to, to do. And uh, he's, what, in his mid-60s? So Steve Steos is a guy that uh, has learned how to develop players at the NHL level. He went to... Hamilton with the Bulldogs in the OHL and was president there and uh, learned how to create a team, hire coaches, hire the right staff, uh, was successful, had championships there. And then uh, now, you know, he finds himself back at Edmonton. And, and I think when he was brought on, Greg's, we kind of looked at each other and were like, well, that's uh, that's an interesting move that, that will probably come with more clout and meaning uh, in, in short order. So... It makes sense. It's logical. It's something I think, you know, generally we anticipated and could see coming. Uh, when that happens, if it happens right away or they wait another year, uh, not really a huge surprise. And um, Steve Steos, since his playing days, has worked at learning the business side of the game, how to build a team and, and create cohesion and all of that. And uh, that's why, honestly, you know, first of all, he's a great guy smart man and uh that's why we wanted to touch in get in touch with him and, and tap into his understanding of of the game and where it's at now and, and what it takes to create a, a winning culture and team so uh when the time comes i'm sure we're gonna see uh an announcement made and if it's steve stales taking over as gm i wouldn't be that surprised greg's Tommy, uh, what area of the Oilers' game do you think they need to, not necessarily personnel-wise, but playing-wise, would you say they have to really focus on, um, you know, obviously through the summer, but then when they hit 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 the, the ice next year, what, what area do you specifically have them get dialed in on better? Strutty, it's something that uh, popped up in this round, certainly, uh, in the first round at times against L.A., and something that we talked about basically for every day for the first three months, D-Zone. D zone attention to detail execution um you know the orders cleaned it up for a good chunk of the the latter half of the season and and looked like they had learned a lot of tough lessons and then uh the golden knights who again all due respect to them have a great team were able to to find tendencies in the orders game in their defensive zone and expose them and they took advantage of them and um, you know, it was frustrating for Oilers fans to to see stuff like that happen. There were a couple of instances last night. You could point to that first Marcheseau goal where Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle get crossed up. Marcheseau, you know, kind of uh, sneaks in unattested. Barbashev makes a great play on the redirection from the point shot, and nobody's there to to tie up Marcheseau, take away his stick, and he buries on an empty net. And then uh, Cass pointed this out on the post game show last night. We were talking in the press box as well in the second intermission on the second Marcia so goal the one where Stuart Skinner made the save up high the puck you know fortuitous bounce for the Golden Knights and Marcia so just bangs it home because it's right there and he's Johnny on the spot there are three Oilers right around him everybody's looking around not taking a man 
tying him up. Like, listen, I know that puck, there's a good chance that if Marcheseau didn't touch it, it, there's still a chance it could go in. But uh, everybody's looking around, and three guys in orange and blue couldn't find it. And uh, the one guy in gold and gray uh, unaccosted again and can just sweep home the puck. So D-zone's a big thing. Obviously, the penalty kill is going to need some retooling. It did get better late in the season. Uh, It had its issues in the postseason. Um, But I think defensive zone execution there uh, is going to be a big priority next year. Well, yeah, it's it's the one thing that the, that will have to improve as a group. Do you think, like, is there an upgrade in a trade or some way? Do you think Cody Cece, or do they think they look at Cece and say, okay, um, you know, he was banged up in parts of this season, mm-hmm. and uh, we feel he can be better next year, or is is that a concern for them moving forward? Yeah, and Cece, he had some good moments this past year. I, I don't think he was as consistent as last year. Um, if they think that there's an upgrade, Greg's, I think they're willing to explore those types of options. Uh, I would even point out right wing as another one where they look oh, to, yeah. uh, to to upgrade, get bigger, a um, little more grittier for sure. But, you know, Cody Cece seems to have fit in well. Um, is he the ideal, you know, first pairing, second pairing uh D-man on the right side there. Maybe maybe not. Maybe you can make an upgrade. So I think that that's something they would explore. If, if they don't find it in the offseason, they don't find that guy that they think is a, gives them a different look on the back end, maybe there's a deal in the season. Like we discussed this year when they made the Ekholm trade and, and moved on from Barry. It's, they went into this past season with an adequate, at best, defense. Uh, they realized that you know there was some issues there, and then they found a way to come up with a solution and making that Ekholm deal, and it came at, at the expense of a guy that you know makes a great first pass and finds ways to get pucks through, put up a lot of offense, but you know was a little bit smaller and had his deficiencies in the back end. So you can mold your team as the season goes along, and uh, I think this is a, a group and a management team that is more than willing to be open to looking at upgrading and and seeing where there there might be some issues to, to fill. But it is a good team. Uh, they're at a good starting point going into next year. But you know what? As is the case every year, there's going to be new faces coming in. Joined by Tom Guzzola here on the Gregor Show on TSN 1260, talking all things Oilers. Um, when you see, I, I look at the group and I, I everything you said, I, I agree with you. I think that you know the the, the penalty kill and the D zone coverage. I, I, you know, how many times have we discussed on this show? Wow, they you know they 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 were able to get four, but they gave up three. Two were mm-hmm. pretty rough, right? Like, I think that the standard for slip ups defensively that are that are ones that um, are preventable. I think that standard for the team has to become zero. And the internal yep. pressure is that we can't let that happen, whether it's October, January, March, and definitely May. It can't happen because those habits, those habits just are built all the time. They continue to go. When you look at Vegas, let's just, you know, just case in point, Vegas last night in the third period, the owners had quite a bit of action down that zone, but how many clean looks did they get, right, where there wasn't a stick on puck or a body in front of them or obviously, yep. you know, Aiden Hill, who, you know, did pretty well as well. But I, I just look, I think that that standard, the, the goalposts have to be moved or the finish line saying that's that's just not good enough. And I think that starts with the coaches, then to your four four or five leaders, and then filters right down to everyone because it's yeah. you just can't you can't flip that on. You know, unfortunately, you can't flip it on. When, when you get pressure like the Oilers did last night with Vegas, 
um, or from Vegas, you know, you that's when that's when your little warts are showing, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. it's two a.m. Let's turn the lights on. Oh, jeez, <laughs> we've been dancing for the last hour together. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's that's what I see, Tommy. And I, I, yeah. I you know, every year it, it's a growing. And this isn't an indictment of the team, but the, the, the group is growing, and we see improvement in different areas all the time. But I think that's one where they got to, to Amanda side, guys. We're, we're going to work on this every minute of all 82 games all year long. Yeah. Uh, Strutty, flashbacks to uh, the ugly lights coming on at 2 a.m. at Ezzy's on a Tuesday, dollar draft night. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Like, the warts were exposed. And, and that's why I say D-zone. And, and I'm sure there's people that are going, five on five, five on five, that needs to be better. Absolutely. And, and the D-zone, I think, is, is where it emanates. And uh, when you start to create that consistency and, and tighten it up and and then you know you got your own zone locked up and when you get that first pass out you get those clean breaks off the wall uh you're going back the other way and you're getting those opportunities and scoring chances five on five and and then that probably starts to to improve your numbers five on five and and you know what goaltending too uh you know both guys had had really high moments this past season in Campbell and Skinner and then both guys had some really rough stretches. And for Skinner, it was a tough lesson in the playoffs. He's not shying away from it. He owned it last night listening to him. Um, but, yeah, this is another harsh lesson. It's, it, You know, Drysaddle talked about it being uh, almost like a, a failure and uh, missing out. It, it is a missed opportunity, absolutely. Uh, you know, everybody's eyes widened and and uh, got excited when they saw Boston and Colorado lose out and, and the remaining eight teams saw a path to the Stanley Cup final and maybe even uh, winning the Stanley Cup. And so, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. But uh, now they know, and, and they got schooled five-on-five five by the Golden Knights, who were excellent defensively. They changed their defensive setup from Pete DeBoer to when Bruce Cassidy came in. And they kept the Oilers to the outside, especially games five and six. It was tough to to watch the Oilers try to generate anything because those Golden Knights, they defended in layers. There was always a guy supporting when when the Oilers were moving the puck, high to low, low to high, trying to get it across to the blue line, uh, to the other D-man, back down low. There was always two or three Golden Knights in support. And then uh, we had a call last night saying, hey, it was Aiden Hill that they lost to. Come on, you guys. I get that, but uh, the system that the the Golden Knights have implemented uh, defensively in their zone is is beneficial to whoever's between the pipes, and as long as the guy can see it, he's probably going to make the save, and it does create an opportunity where Laurent Brossois, then in Aiden Hill, uh, are in a position to win a series for the Vegas Golden Knights. So, yeah, it's there's, there's a few things that popped up, uh, but there's no reason to be down on this team because I think they're going to be right back in the mix next season, and this is the window. They realize that. The fan base does. It's disheartening for everyone, um, but it is a really good team and, and some harsh lessons, but use them and get better next year, and, and I think they will be back next year. Well, yeah, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. It will be one where they have to, to learn and and move forward uh, you know maybe there'll be some internal growth uh, dylan holloway coming up uh, now young guys just to fill in the roster spots uh, to think that the young guys are going to be the major difference makers right like i wonder evander kane you know with uh, you know almost a full year when the season starts next year coming off the uh, the wrist injury maybe that will mm-hmm. help him 
Um, you know, Cody Cece was banged up. How much better will he play? I think the Oilers, though, as a team, have to collectively get better. But Jay Woodcroft's got to learn, Tom. Like, I didn't. Woodcroft really had match lines. Then in Game Six, he really wanted McLeod's line out against Carlson right? to to take Carlson away from McDavid. But I'm like, but the Eichel line was a line killing you. I yep. wouldn't be worried about William Carlson shutting down McDavid's line. It'd be more so like, hey, you know, or at least put McDavid out against Eichel. Like that's that was the matchup because you know. The Eichel line was the difference maker in in, uh, in game five and six. Yep. Uh, it, here's an example. Uh, you and I were sitting down for the third period, and uh, Greg's. I think you turned and looked at me and said, "Hey, McDavid was just taken off the ice because Carlson's line starting right." Like that was one where it's like you've got the best player in the world. I think you you just going all out, making sure you do everything you can to to win this game. And, and McDavid had just five and some odd minutes of ice time in that first period and, and you're right they got away from that matchup and that's a tough lesson for Jay Woodcroft as well and, and he's a guy that preaches um, battle scars and, and learning from these experiences and I, I think he'll probably heed his own warning and uh, his own advice and, and learn from where he thinks he could be better and, and may have uh, had some mistakes and blips of his own with uh, some decision making and and that might be a perfect example of that. I wouldn't be afraid to put Connor McDavid out there against anybody. Granted, I don't know how banged up Connor McDavid was, and, and that could play into it. But I think, uh, especially the way he was skating the last couple of games, I'd say you want to you want to put Carlson out there against McDavid or Eichel against McDavid, go for it. Because I put my money and and I'd go all in with my guy any day, considering how good he is. Not, doesn't matter how good your guys are at shutting anybody down. I'd go with McDavid any day of the week at 60%, 70%, 80%, and certainly at 100%. Head-to-head, head, man. Head to, I said it after the last series. There doesn't need to be tricks. There's no tricks. Yep. Both teams know each other. Roll them out. Get them out there. Eichel versus uh, uh, McDavid. Eichel, to, to be honest, I didn't know Eichel had that game, I, that he could bring it like that against this team. He mm-hmm. was, if not the best one of the best players over the whole series. As, as along, same with Marcia. So both those guys just took it to the Oilers, and they couldn't be stopped. You know, it yep. looked like they both had eight points in the last four games, I think, or something like that, eight or nine. Like, yep. that's incredible. Last year, when McDavid and Connor were doing it, we're talking about, we were talking about, well, we, the, the collective Oilers world, was talking about this, the numbers we've never seen before. Well, these guys did it too. Those guys yep. did the same thing against a, a, a good Oilers team. So I think we got to recognize how good those two guys were uh, playing this, the, especially after game two. In their own zone, it started. Hey, Strud's like, uh, we had Jesse Granger on the pregame show yesterday, and I asked him about Eichel, and I was like, this guy's putting up you know, really good numbers, but it's his first foray into the playoffs, and uh, you know, he, a little bit quieter to start the series, but as it went on, he got better and better and better, and Jesse said that uh, when Cassidy was hired, he talked to Eichel and said, listen, you're an elite-level player, but we're going to take you from being like a a superstar to playing championship caliber hockey and and that's a 200 by 80 foot or 85 foot game and and we witnessed that firsthand as the the competition got stiffer and the games got harder and uh, Eichel Eichel showed that poise so you know uh, I like McDavid against anybody I think he's capable of creating uh, a championship style of game and I think he will I have full faith in him and uh, certainly Dreisaitl and and you know Obviously, Nugent Hopkins has to be much better. 
Uh, that was a, a bad playoff for him. He did put up points, a lot of them on the power play. He had a couple of good games. Uh, game four was his best when his feet were moving. And then when you got banged up wingers, two of your best in, in Hyman and Kane, uh, roughed up and, and fighting it and not healthy, it makes things tougher. So uh, a lot to, to take from this season that was good. And then uh, some of the bad, you know, use it to make you, make you a better team next year and better players. Tommy, we'll chat with you tomorrow. Have a good one. Thanks, boys. Tom Gazzola Chronicles brought to you by Action. Electrical, Jason Greger, Jason Strudwick will come back with uh, Struds on. He's fired up. Find out about what next in the Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 350, Greger, Strudwick, Connor Halley. Lots of text flying in at 10, 12, 60. You can always email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Gregor at tsn1260.ca. Reminder, perfect time to get into Jiffy Lube. Full synthetic pens oil change, and they'll also give you a $20 gift card to use to one of the local businesses in Edmonton. Sport local, it's Jiffy Lube. Let's get to Strud's on. It's been uh, itching to get to this. So let's find out what the excitement is about. Brought to you by GS Construction. They are excited that you might be working for them. They are hiring laborers, pipe layers, equipment operators, and even a marketing brand assistant. Go to gsconstruction at indeed.com. The Jason Greger Show presents... Struds on new cans. I was just thrilled to get a new can. God, slip that thing on, strutting around the dress room, showing everybody what it's all about. Look at this new can. Hey, looking good. The ten twelve sixty text line. Thank you for everyone uh, sex uh, sex texting. <laughs> Jeez. Whew. Tea bags. I don't believe in tea bags. I use loose leaf tea, and it is so much better than the tea bags. I'll eat tea bags. I mean, I'll. <laughs> himself. I've got nice bowling ball shoulders, a decent head of hair, and a big organ that needs to be heard. It's time for Struds On. Don't blame the refs. Okay, I'm going to do this one time, and then I'll take all the text at 10, 12, 60, but I have to get this off my chest. I've been thinking about it, trying to put into words why it bothers me so much when people, fans, media, friends, my own kids complain about the refing. It, it drives me crazy. And I, I don't think I've ever vocalized it until I, it kind of dawned on me the other day, specifically to this series. Like, let's look at a couple situations. There is no doubt that Ekholm got hit by high stick last night. Everyone saw it. There was no way. But the four refs didn't see it. Is that a missed call? Yeah, sure. That's a four-minute call. There's no doubt it missed. But we've been getting texts at 10, 12, 60. I've seen on social media. I've gotten personal texts saying the Oilers lost this series because of the refing. And I, I just cringe when I hear that. I believe that is a loser's mentality. A couple of reasons. One, and I've shared this before, you cannot control the referees. Whether it's good or bad, indifferent, whether you it's this series, another series, everyone thinks their team is getting screwed by the refs. Every team, every person. But the reality of, of sport, and, and this is where I really want you guys to lean into your radios and listen. When you are complaining about the refs, your team is not doing what it needs to to win the game. I'll say it again. When your team, when you are looking at the refs as an excuse, your team isn't getting done what it needs to get done. In the second period, three goals were scored against the Oilers. Three goals that I believe were defendable. Zero input by the refs. Zero. Now, we could make the case that it would have been important for the Oilers to get two... Uh, 
the double minor, and maybe they score on both those things. But you're looking for an advantage that maybe wasn't there to try to jump in, to try to get, to make it up. To truly become a champion, and, and I never won the Stanley Cup, but I, I did win a little bit here and there. The spelling bee in grade 7 at Holy Cross. If you truly want to be the best in, in a sport, in this time the hockey, you have to beat the team straight up. That's, that's the fact. You can't hope that a ref's going to help you get a call here and there, or you're going to get the benefit of the doubt of the ref, because the other team thinks they're getting screwed as well. Right? You don't want the other, I don't want the other team's best player being hurt. I don't want to see that. I want to beat them straight up so I know I'm the best player. I'm the best team out there. That is what being a champion is. Look at the last couple of teams that won the Stanley Cup. Do you think Tampa or Colorado or Boston or go back through all of them? Do you think anyone thinking, oh, good, Whew. man, this player's not playing. We got a better chance. Or, oh, boy, the ref really won us that one. No, they did the right thing game in, game in, game out. I should not game in, game in, game in, game out. So the idea of, of, of blaming the refs for a, a series loss, it's so small-minded. And I believe, honestly, it, it, the reality is your team wasn't good enough to win it. That's just the reality. Or they weren't playing well enough. Maybe not good enough, but they weren't good enough. Did it affect the, the series? It might have. But I go back to last night. Those three goals in the second period, Griggs, they were not offside. There was no penalties involved there. The Oilers just made mistakes that led to that goal to those three goals that's the game and that's the series as for the uh, the, the call on Ekholm so by the rule book it says if it's a follow through it's not a penalty um, so in live time the officials thought it was a follow through did Watt move his stick to shoot yes so I understand why the officials saw it that way he doesn't have the advantage of super slow motion and replay you got to make a split second decision right then and there that's how it goes. Right? Yes, he got cut. But keep in mind, you were allowed to actually get cut if it's a follow-through. It's not that they missed it. They deemed it a follow-through. Now, I can argue, and trust me, I thought when watching it again, but the refs don't have that luxury. I'm like, man, to me, a follow-through is you have to have control of the puck. And I never felt he had control of the puck. But that's just my interpretation of it. So uh, would they have scored a power play goal? They might have. Would they have scored two? Maybe. No guarantee, especially because their power play was actually way better on the road than at home in this series for whatever odd reason. Um, and I'm with you, Struds. The the rap Edmonton, I felt um, you know they they made some plays like you know 24 seconds in the game, arguably their most steady defender, cost the puck up right into the slot onto the tape, one nothing. It's not the refs that did that. So um, if you miss a call here or there, sure it happens. Um, just because you get a power play doesn't guarantee success. And look at the chances the Orders had in the third, and they didn't score. Like, Aiden Hill, of all people, beat them in the third period. The Orders just, unfortunately, they lost to a team that was more consistent. The other thing, Struddy, though, I actually think Bruce Casty got the matchups he wanted in game six and one, despite being on the road. He ca- he started the game with Carlson. Oh, it's McLeod's line. Every TV timeout in the first period Bruce Cassidy started Carlson's line. Woodcroft put out McLeod to keep McDavid away from that line. And I just, I, and the orders were actually winning two to one. And then they went away from it. So I didn't, and like, I, I didn't understand that matchup. To me, I would have had McDavid versus Eichel. That was the matchup I think they should have had. 100%. Or McLeod's line. McLeod's line was okay. doing pretty well. 100%. But, Greg, it's about, 
empowering your players. And, and this isn't so much a, a shot at, at, at Woodcroft, but just in general. You, you feel that you, you've, you know, you, there's no better feeling when someone, anyone who's listening knows when they come in and say, I think you can do a job, and they give you the chance and you go and do it. Right? And, and for Connor, you don't think Connor wanted to play against Jack Eichel? You know, Jack Eichel has elevated his status after this series because he was, again, arguably the best player on both teams through this series. He's elevated. A guy who had no playoff experience, uh, you know, the, the next thing, the trade, all that stuff, and, and kind of the reputation. He came out looking like, you know, he was smelling like roses. He had a huge, he had a great series. So I agree. I want to, I want to say, Connor, this is your guy. Now, do, maybe Hyman and Kane are hurt on the wings, so you don't want to have them against them. Okay. Well, then change that up. Put someone else in there. Like, maybe put Nuge. I don't know. You know, that's 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 a whole other, you know, piece of uh, a knot to unwind. But I want to see Connor. I, I would just be like, buddy, I'd sit him down and say, this is your matchup. You've got to be both sides of the puck. You've got to do this. you got to just do what you do. Okay, thanks. There we go. And move on. You know, then people are saying, well, you don't want to have Nurse and Cece against um, uh, that Eichel as well. I hear that. So who's the next group up? Right? Do you want Bouchard and Ekholm against them? Kulak, Dayarnay? You know, so we can say we don't want this matchup. But, I, you know, so who is the next set of D that you want out there against them? I don't know if you want Kulak and uh, Dayarnay out there against those guys. Seems a little bit risky. Uh, you know, then then Ekholm and 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 Bouchard are they is Bouchard ready for that type of matchup? I'm not sure that's exactly the perfect matchup for him right now. So, um, yeah, it's it's tricky. It's 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 a tricky one. And um, for for Woodcroft, I think he's got to go back and kind of look at it and say, okay, what what, what do I need to do differently? Four o'clock, Evans at Sports Leader, TSN twelve sixty. Jason Greger, Jason Strode, Connor Halley, with you. Let's get to a Sports Center update brought to you by the Edmonton Police Service. They're hiring a fast-paced career that isn't your typical 9 to 5. Learn how you can join the team. Go to newepsrecruits.ca.